0: Welcome in to the Inside Carolina podcast brought to you by Johnny T-shirt and Blue Sharp vodka. I'm your host Ross Martin, joined by Cheryl McMillan and Greg Barnes and this is the basketball preview podcast. Welcome in. We're breaking down every player. We've recorded this in two different segments. We did kind of the guards and wings to start, and we're going to close it out with the big men and the, uh, I guess, the bigger wings. So we'll start off with with Caleb Love and go from there. Today we're talking about UNC sophomore point guard Caleb Love, 6'4", 195. And last season, Caleb Love played 29 games, averaged 27.7 minutes, Per game, average ten point five points, two point six rebounds, and three point six assists. And I think we'll get into this shooting percentage. Shooting percentage is thirty one point six percent from the field and twenty six point six percent from three. Shreel, when you look at Caleb Love entering his sophomore season, deciding to come back, um, what are some things that stand out to him and what stand out to you about him? And what he needs to do to have a successful season?
1: I think efficiency is the name of the game for Caleb. Uh, He was up there in shot attempts uh, from two and from three, he played the most minutes so when you're when you're taking a lot of shots and playing a lot of minutes, um, you have to be really careful not to uh, overshoot is what I might call it. So I think for him it's just learning the difference between a good shot and a great shot. Uh, With Hubert Davis, we expect there to be more spacing, more room for him to operate. So he just has to be able to make better decisions and be more efficient. If he can do those two things, then I think he'll really have a good season because we saw the talent come through a couple of times uh, during the season where he really exploded and looked like that lottery pick that everybody thought he was going to be.
0: Yeah, I think he had huge games against Duke. We saw those flashes, saw those big moments, but also the, the turnovers and the shooting percentages. Greg, how does he fit in um, in Hubert Davis' new system? What do you expect from him, and what do you think this team really needs from from Caleb Love?
2: Well, I think the key thing for, for Caleb is, is not only the efficiency, but the kind of understanding what his role is. I don't know how many times last year we'd be sitting there watching a game play out, and you've got these big guys down low, Baycott and De'Ron Sharp, Walker Kessler, Garrison Brooks, And yet they weren't getting touches. They weren't getting uh, the majority of the looks. And it was the guards, primarily led by Caleb Love, who were taking some of the early shots and and looking for uh, their opportunities. There's a time and place for that. uh, But he has to make sure he utilizes what he has. And there's a lot of good pieces on the team this year. Um, And I think that comes with maturity and understanding that he's got to be able to to utilize his weapons. And then when the moment comes for him to, to be able to utilize his own skills, do it. Um, that's, that's first and foremost for what Caleb love. I think all these numbers will improve for him. We've talked over the years how from Marcus Page, Joel Berry, all these guys, uh, there, there's a lot of pressure on playing point guard at North Carolina. Um, and after you kind of get a, an offseason under your belt, you understand more what the system's about, those things will improve. But he, He's got a the, the team approach I think is most important for him. Uh, and I think he has that talent to be a, an NBA prospect, like Sherelle said. Uh, just some of those things have to come together
0: for him. Yeah, it's interesting to see what will happen in more of a wide open offense. He's got better shooters around him. We think he will with, with Kerwin back, with the transfers, Brady Manick, um, Justin McCoy and, and Dawson Garcia. Show. how do you see this new, more wide open offense with better shooters impact Caleb Love's game as a sophomore?
1: Well, there were a lot of times last year when he would drive and there'd be two of his guys and two of the opposing team's guys in his way. So I think those that will be cleared out. There'll, there'll be space there now. And then two, uh, I think a lot of times he wasn't quite sure if he wanted to drive all the way to the rim or if he wanted to stop you know, 12, 13 feet away for a little pull-up or if he wanted to pass. I think this year the decisions will be much clearer because if things work the way Hubert Davis wants them to work, Uh, The other teams will collapse on him and double team him, and that will leave shooters open all throughout the court. So it's really going to be about his vision, I think, this year, his ability to see his teammates and and find the open man for open three.
0: Being a point guard in Roy Williams' offense is is not easy as a freshman. He'd be way more comfortable just having that experience of college. Greg, expectations for him? We we talked about that that big jump between freshman and sophomore year. What kind of things do you see for him in terms of maybe honors or just how he um, carries his team and, and how he leads for this team?
2: I think we were sitting here this time last year saying North Carolina would only go as far as the young guards took them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of truth in that. And I think the same thing applies here. I do think uh, your maturity really helps, but also uh, with this spacing model that uh, Hubert Davis is apparently bringing, uh, that's that's going to be very beneficial because he can get into the paint now and he, he can utilize his size uh, and his skill and his athleticism. Um, and that's going to be a big part of it. And so if he can if he can utilize utilize those those aspects of his game to really kind of elevate, clearly, this kid has all ACC potential. Um, and when you add him with somebody like Ramondo Baycott in the post, who's kind of the same level, now you're talking about a, a, a kind of a duo that can lead North Carolina pretty deep into March, provided he he lives up to those expectations.
0: Caleb Love enters his sophomore season as the expected starting point guard for UNC under new head coach, Hubert Davis. RJ Davis played in 29 games last season, averaged 22.3 minutes, 8.4 points, 2.3 rebounds, 1.9 assists, and his shooting was 35% from the field and 32.3% from three. Um, Sherell, RJ Davis, I think it's an interesting kind of player to discuss because he played a lot last year, but didn't start, wasn't the focus of the offense. Again, like Caleb Love, flashed a lot, but um, I think his size, he was really impacted by the size and physicality of the college game. What do you kind of see for R.J. Davis in year two in Carolina under a new system with Hubert Davis?
1: I think it's a very similar answer to Caleb uh, that Greg gave uh, in our previous preview, is that they need to be more efficient and they need to be judicious with when they decide to shoot and when they decide uh, to get their teammates involved. Um, One thing that is difficult coming from high school and AAU where you are the guy on your team is learning how to play with good players. And I think both of them did, did that some in AAU, uh, but, especially with RJ, as he got to Carolina, it's kind of hard fitting in because you're, you're not the starting point guard. You're also not the starting two guard, but they still rely on you to be somewhat of a score. So as you said, the size and physicality and everything, I think caught him off guard. And as the season went along, you started to see him get into a comfort zone. So I think it's, it's a big step for him this year. Again, freshman to sophomore jump, I think it'll be even more evident with someone like him because now he understands um, maybe don't go all the way to the rim because your shot's going to get blocked. So develop that little float, that little floater, uh, how to get open all, behind the arc. All those things I think he, he's learned and he'll be a little bit more crafty this year. And I expect a good year from him.
0: Yeah, Greg, I mean, do you expect him to start? Do you expect him to, to kind of play spot minutes alongside Caleb Love? How do you see his role um, along talented guards like Love and Corin Walton, who all three showed flashes as freshmen but still need to improve?
2: Yeah, I would imagine that the Kerwin will, will start there at the two, uh, which means RJ is really going to get some, some playing time behind Caleb Love and Kerwin. And of course, he'll play with both those guys. Um, I think uh, Sherelle is spot on. But I will I will add this. I think uh, Caleb Love has the potential to, to really blossom, uh, especially with this spaced out floor that Huber Davis wanting to, to employ. Uh, and so when you're talking about Caleb kind of penetrating and getting to the rim, there's going to be open shooters available. And I think R.J. Davis can really flourish in that role. Um, Sherelle's exactly right. There were times last year when even when he was playing well late in the year that he really tried to get to the rim to make something happen because North Carolina needed something to happen. And he was just so small that uh, that's going to be very difficult for him. So, yes, working on that floater for sure is going to help. But I think really making sure that he kind of defines a role for himself I mean, I think a lot of the time, if, if Caleb Love is the player we think he can become, uh, those opportunities are, are going to be there on the wing, along with Corin Walton. And I think that's really where RJ can, can carve out his, his niche this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, improved efficiency all the way around. But I think that's really how he can benefit this team the most.
0: Sure, where do you see RJ fitting in this team? Because he, he kind of got similar minutes to Love last year, but Love was 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 the starting point guard. Do you see him more as a backup? Do you see him? kind of splitting minutes at both the one and the two?
1: Well, it's an interesting question we'll get into, I'm sure. But Hubert Davis has not been shy about talking about multiple ball handlers on the court at the same time. Um, now that could affect other players. Cause I do think Kerwin Walton is a sure, you know, a surefire starter. So uh, maybe he could start at the two guard and they could have a lineup where it's Caleb RJ and Kerwin Walton together. Um, either way, they're all going to play big minutes. Um, and I think RJ will be the, the secondary ball handler behind Caleb. So a very important role um, in case of injuries, in case of foul trouble, uh, you want somebody that you trust to be able to handle the ball. If Caleb love has any issues. And I think they definitely trust RJ Davis.
0: Yeah, and there's a good chance. I mean, you're looking at R.J. Davis as the starting point guard the next season as a junior if Love were to go pro. So got to keep that in mind as they kind of groom him for that role. Um, and additionally, I think we'll talk about this in all these previews that this is going to be more of a positionless basketball system. So fans and media alike have to kind of get our mindset that there's not set positions, that they could roll out a small lineup with, with uh, Kerwin, Caleb, R.J., um, Puff, you know, and another small guy. It just it depends on kind of what Hubert wants to do that I think it's going to be more shooters and more scores on the court. All right, R.J. Davis, um, sophomore season at UNC, uh, playing one and two and potentially a backup point guard role for the Tar Heels under new head coach Hubert Davis. Sophomore guard, wing shooting guard, Curran Walton, 6'5", 210. And last season he played in all 29 games Averaged 21 minutes. His um, minutes per game definitely increased once he started, uh, I think, in, in late December, early January. 8.2 points per game, 1.7 rebounds, 1.8 assists. And his shooting, which stands out compared to other teammates last season, 44.4% from the field and 42% from three-point range and 84% from the free throw line. Terrell, I think Colonel Walton one of the bright spots of last season. Um, had an excellent year and was a shooter that, UNC had not seen in a long, long time. How does he improve on last season and get better? Because I think now scouting reports will, ha- reports will have him targeted as the main guy to stop.
1: Yeah, I'm laughing because I'm about to take everything Greg is going to say, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so he's got to develop counters because, like you said, he's going to be at the top of the scouting report. And so they're going to say crowd this guy because he's a dynamite shooter, and if you give him any space, he's going to make it. So what they're going to do is they're going to crowd him at the three-point line. It's going to be up to him to either drive to the basket to find a teammate um and i'm sure that's what he's been working on you know most of the offseason is that ability to put the ball on the floor and get to the rim so i think when you it's just always different when you go from bottom of the scouting report to top of the scouting report and the way he spaced things out for north carolina last year i think he can do it again this year so he will still be at the top of the scouting report so for him it's, it's just all about counters
0: yeah, I mean, same question, Greg. How do you see him kind of fitting in this year? Uh, improving. I think you saw teams focusing on him in the the last third of the season last year, once he was knocking down three or four threes point game. Uh, y- your takes on Corin Walton.
2: Yeah, I man, I think Shirell is exactly right there. Uh he's got to be able to, to work on the, the fake fakes a little bit at the three-point line and, and really work on that that first step dribble drive. Um, if he can do that, he can create some opportunities for him. Um it, I think he shows some flashes defensively, so he'll need to come along with that. But I, all this, we talk about these individuals, um, and, and they don't grow and get better in a vacuum, right? And I think if if Hubert Davis's system is what we think it will become, um, there's an opportunity here for for Kern Walton to really thrive because what, what's going to happen is you're going to take one of the big men out of the center, so that's going to allow for Caleb Love to do a better job of getting into the paint. When you add somebody like Brady Manick, who can shoot threes like fire, now you've got two guys on the perimeter that teams have to account for. Um, and so if Caleb is able to get into the paint, people are going to start collapsing on him and Armando Bacot. There's going to be opportunities there, not just for one guy, but for a couple guys. Um, and so that, that's going to make some opportunities arrive uh, for Corwin Walton. And so while there are going to be more people on him, Uh, the fact that the offense should be open and there should be more spacing is going to give him a little bit more opportunities as well. And so I think it's really just kind of capitalizing on those opportunities while also kind of trying to improve, especially not only mid-range game, but really doing a better job trying to get to the basket.
0: Yeah. I think he, he's, he knows what he needs to improve on. That's probably a lot of it comes down to to being stronger. Uh, I think the transition from high school to freshman year is very difficult. He knows what he needs to do in terms of getting stronger to, to play better defense, to make more room for himself to get a shot and to score through contact in the lane. Sherelle, you visited him and his family and his coaching staff, uh, high school coaching staff up in Minneapolis. Give us a little take on your perspective from that and what he's working on and and a a glimpse into your time with Kerwin in the offseason.
1: I would say just a relentless worker, uh, always in the gym. And I know that sounds cliche, but it is 100% true when it comes to him. And the things that we're working on were what we talked about, ball handling, uh, lateral quickness, coming off of screens. Um, kind of, you know, jab step from three just to get a little bit of space because that's really all he needs. And they have lofty goals for him this season. And um, he's, I think, ready to meet those expectations just because he realizes the opportunity that's in front of him as um, the two guard in North Carolina and in a new system, in a system that puts an emphasis on movement and the spacing. When you have a player like him who is as smart as he is and can pass the way he can, you know, I think he has a chance to have a really, really good season.
0: Yeah, I think, First team all ICC should be the expectation for him based on how well he shot the ball last season. The expectations will be high. I remember Greg from speaking with him on zoom calls last year, very mature guy, very grateful to be at UNC. Do you have any takes on his personality that, that stood out to you? I think he was, he's a quiet guy, but when he talked, it seemed like he kind of got it.
2: Yeah, for sure. That was going to be my takeaway, Ross. Early in the year, Roy Williams really had to kind of push him to, to talk more because he would just kind of go off by himself and, and shoot a lot of shots and make a lot of them in practice and kind of be by himself. Um, and I think you really saw as he became a starter and really had some success later in the season. You saw that personality start to come out because, as you say, when we talked to him in the media, he was he was perfectly fine. But on the court, you saw that start to flourish a little bit. And I really think uh, the fact that he's got a year under his belt, he's going to mature some uh, personality-wise, and that should help him kind of work into uh, the scheme, work into leadership roles all
0: those things will be good for him Curran Walton enters his sophomore season as the best shooter from last season and uh, should have a chance to thrive in Hubert Davis's new wide open offensive scheme. Next up is Anthony Harris, six foot four, 195 pounds. He's a red shirt sophomore this season after missing most of his true freshman year. And last season, didn't play a lot. Was really kind of late to the scene after coming back from ACL surgery. 16 games, 11 minutes um, per game, 3.3.2 points, one rebound, 1.3 assists, 44.2% from the field and 25% from three. I mean, to my memory, Anthony Harris played a little bit, had some sparks here and there, and just didn't play much as the um, kind of this, the last half of the season, the last half of his. Season. Sherelle, what can you expect from what Anthony Harris can bring to this team this season?
1: I think first and foremost, uh, his health is always going to be paramount considering he had two ACL tears in in two seasons. And so he made it through uh, an entire year without any issues, it seems like. And so now you always hear people say that it's the year after you come back from your ACL when you get fully. Healthy, So I think that's what you're looking at now for the first time in three and a half, almost four years, he's 100% healthy and ready to go. And I think what he brings to UNC is going to be off the bench defensive intensity, as well as an ability to push tempo. And I think we, he showed some good court vision uh, a few times during the season in that he's able to find teammates for open shots. So, um, you know, you don't like to call guys or, or it's a negative sometimes in people's minds to call people blue guys. But I think that's exactly what Anthony Harris can be, a, a steadying influence off the bench who will go in, play hard um, and not be a neck negative when he's in the game.
0: Greg, your takes. I mean, I feel like he's kind of a forgotten guy on this roster, um, but he's tough. Uh, he, he's proven to knock down some shots and it does bring that defensive t- intensity.
2: Yeah. I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's an insult at all to talk about glue guys, especially when you're talking about a roster, what North Carolina, North Carolina is going to have this year, uh, because they, they've got a legitimate OACC guy at point guard. They've got a guy that may be preseason OACC, uh, new player of the year and Armando Bay in the post and they know what they have the other spots. They've, they've got veteran guys or at least sophomores who have played a full season. So it's not like you're relying on a bunch of young freshmen coming in. And I think that's beneficial here because they know what Anthony Harris can bring to the table. And it is that defensive spark. Um, As as, as good as some of these guys may be scoring the ball, they need somebody that can come in and can lock down and provide that energy boost off the bench. That's invaluable, um, especially for a team like this that has struggled with that in recent years. And so that's going to be his role. He he really took the minutes of Andre Playtech last year, um, once he came back in January uh, and, and really just kind of came off the bench and, and did some good things. He's got he's to improve that shot, but I, I agree with uh, Sherelle that coming off injury, it's just such a hard thing to kind of get your rhythm back. So I expect some of those numbers to, to, to get better. But he's a guy that has proven he can finish in transition. So if you come off the bench, you can be really good defensively, you can provide an energy boost, and you can be productive in transition there's going to be minutes for you, and I think that's what Anthony Harris is looking at this year.
0: Yeah, you could always. I mean, I think at his age, he's been there three seasons. He can be a, a leadership role, locker room guy, which kind of goes along with that, um, with the defensive intensity and energy. Maybe a, a poor man's Theo Pinson, which I mean in the nicest way. Uh, Sherell, how do you see him fitting into the rotation?
1: That is an excellent question, Ross. Thank I you. think I think he <laughs> will be uh, probably the the second guard. Off the bench, if I had to guess, behind R.J. Davis and of course with Kerwin and Caleb starting, uh, but again, we, we just we we're still learning what Hubert Davis wants to do and how he wants to do it. So maybe he puts more of an emphasis on uh, you know on the ball pressure from his guards than Roy Williams did. I, we, I don't know if that's true, but maybe he does. And if he does, then yeah, Harris is going to play a a lot and, and be one of those first guys off the bench. But if he doesn't and he values something else, then he might piece it together game by game. That's the good thing about this UNC roster is that different people can star in different games based upon what the team needs. And so there might be a game where you know, somebody is just destroying UNC from the perimeter. And Hubert uh, Davis says, go go get number 11 and guard him for 20 minutes. And he does that. And then there might be a game where they have to score 100 points to win, and you might not have Anthony Harris in the game. So I think it's all still TBD, but he will have a role. Greg, do you think he can play some three?
2: Yeah, he certainly can play some three. I think the issue, though, is you've got so many guys that can really play at that spot. Yeah, um, He's going to be in the mix. But when you're talking about Leaky Black and, and Justin McCoy – uh, how many minutes are gonna, they're going to be there? And I think I think that's going to be the the challenge for Hubert Davis. Is he's got all these options, which is great. Now you have to figure out what actually works. Um, does he does he try to make that determination before the season starts? Is it just kind of play and fill as the season goes along? Um, and I think Anthony Harris is going, going to get called in that because he is probably I agree with Sherelle, He is probably the second guard you know, off the bench. But then if you're talking about him playing at the three, he may be the third for the three spot. Yeah, Uh, And so it really is kind of a touch-and-go thing right now.
0: Anthony Harris enters his redshirt sophomore season, uh, coming back from two ACL surgeries last year uh, in the 2021-22 season. Next up is freshman DeMarco Dunn, who arrived at UNC this summer he is 6'4", 185 from Westover High School in Fayetteville, North Carolina, one of two freshmen in this class. Um, DeMarco Dunn was ranked the number 67th player in the class, number 15th shooting guard, and number three player in the state of North Carolina. Cheryl, you covered his recruitment. Tell us about him as a player, um, just you know his kind of high school recruitment profile, what we need to know about him before we get to him kind of this season as a Tar Heel.
1: He's a player who I think uh, was hurt by the pandemic from a national perspective, in that uh, we had been hearing things even before he, be- you know, got on UNC's radar that he was someone that we needed to watch. He was going to play with the Garden Road AAU program, uh, which produced Isaiah Hicks and Deron Sharp from UNC, and um, I think had he had that season, his profile would be a little bit higher. However, I still think he can have an impact at UNC this season. It just again depends on uh, what Hubert Davis is going to value. You know, if you look at it from from the outside, you'd have to think he's the third guard off of the bench behind uh, RJ Davis and Anthony Harris. However, he's a he's a really good shooter, and he is uh, very very athletic for someone his size. So, if there's a situation where shooting is called upon to to be had from from Hubert Davis at the two spot um, behind Corbin Walton, I think Dunn could come in and feel that. Now, it is always difficult for freshmen, regardless of system, regardless of Roe Williams, to come in and shoot well from three. So that will be something he has to work on. But I think this season for him is really about getting himself um, lathered up with college basketball um, so that he can have a bigger role as a sophomore. But, you know, injuries happen and and, um, foul trouble happens. And so you never know when you'll be called upon.
0: Yeah, I think you know, covering his recruitment a little bit, you saw a really good shooter who can score in a variety of ways and fairly athletic. Greg, you've covered UNC. You've covered freshman guards. Um, how do you see a guy like DeMarco Dunn fitting in? What do you think kind of the mentality is for him and, and for Hubert Davis in working him into this team and this roster?
2: Well, we've talked about the, the necessity of being versatile in the modern day of college basketball, and that applies to what Hubert Davis wants to do. Uh, you know, Roy Williams has said that, that Dunn's – a guy that can potentially play all three positions, uh, the one, two, and three. And so just that versatility, I think it's going to give him some opportunities. Um, and, yeah, I mean, if he's if he's able to shoot early, um, which, as Sherelle said, is, is very difficult uh, as, a, as a true freshman, but that's going to get you minutes. I mean, what yeah. happened with Carl Walton last year, right? I mean, he was the only guy that really could shoot, came in and actually grabbed a starting role. Um, and so he's got good size. I think that's that's a great thing about him. And so if he can come in and provide some good defensive minutes, he can pick up that part of it. Uh, he can learn some how to play at this level. That's going to be key because when you look at this roster, he, they don't necessarily need him. Like if he plays as bad a necessity, it's out of, well, this kid came in and really balled out from day one, which would be a good thing for North Carolina. Uh, but that's going to give him opportunity to, to really play against good players and really set him up uh, for the years to come. Hubert Davis is, has had high praise for him. Uh, some incredible praise saying that by the time he leaves, maybe one of the best players in in North Carolina basketball history. Um, Strong, strong comments for sure. But I think that the opportunity is there for him to, to really kind of develop and mature without having all the pressure that comes with being a a Tor Hill freshman garden. And clearly that's a good thing for him.
0: Yeah. If he can come in and make some shots, one or two threes a game during maybe the 10 minutes, five to ten minutes he gets. That's all you can ask for, in my opinion. And you look at his ranking. I mean, he's he's 67 in the country. Uh Kerwin was like 120. And so there was such a, a discrepancy there between kind of what the uh the, the recruiters thought about Kerwin versus what he really was. Uh Cheryl, do you have anything to add about what Demarco done can kind of fit in this season? What he can what he can do.
1: You know, he's, he's, uh, like I said, he's fairly athletic. So I think there's a chance if he picks up the defensive principles that he could be uh, impactful on that side of the ball just because of his size, his strength, his athletic ability. So that's something to watch out for too.
0: Yeah, and he'll be competing with Anthony Harris for minutes, kind of backing up um, Kerwin Walton at the two. All right, freshman DeMarco Dunn entering his first year in Chapel Hill. Puff Johnson, 6'8", 205, entering his sophomore season. Last season was cut short. With a broken foot injury, I believe he only played in 14 games, and in those 14 games, only averaged 4.1 points, only scored 1.1 per game. Um, you know, not much shooting, 42.9% from the field. But we really didn't get to see what Puff Johnson can be. Um, Sherelle, you cover his recruitment. You know that family pretty well. What can we expect from Puff Johnson as a sophomore? I think you consider this kind of his freshman year in terms of actually getting time on the court in real games.
1: I expect a lot from him, uh, honestly. I think he is someone who, again, we didn't get to see last year. And so people are kind of forgetting about him. Uh, but he's a talented player. Uh, and I think another thing people don't realize is that you put him beside Leaky, he's just as tall as Leaky and a little bit longer. Um, as far as his arms are concerned. So he can be someone who can play some great defense. I think you're not going to find many six, eight wings in the ACC with long arms. So he has the potential in in my opinion um, to really blanket some of the other threes in the conference and play some good defense from the wing. And he's a good rebounder for, uh, for his size as well. Uh, He doesn't look it, but he's, he's really tough. He's really strong. He likes to get in there and battle. And then, you know, above all else, I think he can be a really capable three-point shooter. I, I mean, in my opinion, uh, and this is going to sound hyperbolic. I don't mean it to be, but he's kind of the prototypical UNC3 in my mind because he's low usage. Um, he has long arms, which means he can play great defense. He's very unselfish, and he can knock down threes, and he doesn't mind rebounding. So you add all that up, and that's kind of what the UNC3 has been for a long, long time. And I think Puff Johnson has all those qualities.
0: Yeah, and I think one thing that's important to remember, not to compare him to Cam Johnson, but Cam Johnson was a late bloomer as well. Um, not really thriving until he really got to UNC in his last year at Pitt. So that maturity and building up your physical body is important for for Puff as well. Greg, we saw him in, I guess, 14 games. What was your takeaway from him as a freshman and what you expect from him as a sophomore?
2: Well, I think Shreel hit on a key point there is that one of the things we really heard from the coaching staff uh, last preseason and early in the season uh, is that he was actually a better rebounder than his brother. And while we all kind of assume he's got the same size as Cam and uh, has the same shooting ability, um, if he can add a rebounding component to it, now you're talking about a a kid that can be special down the road. Um, And I will just remind people that think about Walker Kessler's trajectory last year because he had the situation with COVID in the preseason. And as a true freshman, missing two weeks, you're not even allowed to be at practice and then come back it takes you a long time to kind of get your rhythm. And so what happened with Kessler? By the time he got into late January, all of a sudden he blows up and really blossoms as this player late in the year. Well, Puff had the same situation where he was out because of COVID early. Um, and then by the time he finally kind of starts to get back into the groove, uh, UNC Ross actually termed it a sprained toe on his right foot uh, and, and practice in late January. And so just as he's finally kind of working his way back in, that happens and he misses the rest of the season. Um, so clearly a frustrating year for him. There was potential there for playing time uh, with how the season went for Carolina last year. So I, I don't doubt that That after the season, he said, look, you know, tough year. Uh, I know exactly what to do. I, I saw my brother do it. Um, you know, The family understand what it's about. And so... I fully expect him to come back in with a chip on his shoulder with the possibility of kind of making a step forward because as shrill laid out, he's got a lot of things working for him, potential wise, athleticism wise, size wise. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how Hubert Davis uses him this year.
0: Yeah. And, and we had um, Hubert on, I think late August, and he said that Puff's not 100% yet in terms of full court, five on five, full contact action. So, as we record this in mid September, keep that in mind. And also to clarify, Kessler and Johnson were just exposed to COVID. Um, Greg knew that, but they didn't have COVID. They were exposed. They had a a two week, whatever you want to call it, situation where they couldn't quarantine quarantine situation. All right, guys. uh, Puff Johnson enters his sophomore season. We didn't see much of him as a freshman. We're going to see how he fits in and his role is kind of a three. You can play some four in Hubert Davis' versatile. Uh, positionless offensive system leaky black a name we're all familiar with a uh, ford from cox mill concord north carolina 6'8 200 pounds this is his senior season and last season leaky black played i believe started in most of the 29 games he played in he sat out a couple but um as a starter but 27.6 minutes per game, 5.6 points, 4.9 rebounds, 2.4 assists, 1.2 steals, 36% uh, from the field, and 22.2% from a three-point line. Sherell, I think this is one of the most interesting guys because you bring in, you have Puff coming in his position, you have Justin McCoy coming in that's playing play his position. Um, I think, you know, Brady Manick and Dawson Garcia are more fours, but they have that kind of same skill set with a versatile uh, shooter, and it'll be interesting to see how much Leakey plays. Now, he started two seasons, um, and he does a lot of things that Roy liked, but there's a new sheriff in town with Hubert Davis. Sherell, um your take on Leakey Black entering his uh, fourth season at UNC?
1: It's weird because I think it's the same conversation we've had the last three years, <laughs> is that uh, there needs to be a conversation about what his role is. Role definition is hugely important to Leakey. Do you want him to be your secondary ball handler? Do you want him to be a wing who plays great defense and um, you know, can rebound from his position and push tempo? Do you want him to try to score some like that just need there needs to be a conversation before the season to say, what are the three things you really, really want me to do? And let me hone in on those and let those be my anchors so I can become really, really good at them. Um, And I think that's been lacking the last few years, or at least from the outside looking in, it feels like it's been lacking. So um, to, to what we talked about earlier, though, you know, there's only one ball. And there's a lot of guys on Carolina's team who are shooters, who are scorers. So you need someone who can play good defense and you need someone who can push tempo and grab rebound. So there's going to be a, a role for him. It's just a matter. Is that role at 18 minutes or 16 minutes or 29 like it was last year? And I think that is what we'll be looking forward to, to finding out when the season starts.
0: Greg, going to go right to you for, for your take on Leaky Black this season.
1: Yeah,
2: I think Sherelle's exactly right there. I, I really think it's, it's fascinating because if, if Roy Williams was still the head coach, there's no question that Leaky Black was going to start, right? Yeah. But Roy's gone. And so what does, what does Hubert Davis value? And I think this is one thing that we'll see from game one, uh, kind of what, what means the most to Hubert Davis. Is it being a scorer? Or is it being a leader? Is it being a guy that can do a lot of different things? Um, you know, I think if Leakey had established himself as kind of a, you don't know, have to say elite, but like a really good defender, more so than what he's become, um, I don't think there's any question he gets significant playing time. Um, we know that, that he's, he's savvy as a leader. I mean, last year, people may not believe this, but Leakey was second on the team in plus-minus. Um, he was second in the ACC in assist turnover ratio uh, in ACC play. And I really think, you know, kind of going back to Sherelle's conversation about his position, he seemed to really kind of get comfortable there at the three finally um, and had some good games there late in the year. And so I think he showed improvement over the course of the season, finally. And he finally got healthy. I think that played a role too. Um, but when you start talking about some of these other guys, like a Puff Johnson, I think – offensively is miles better uh, than what Leakey is. And then Justin McCoy, who I think is going to play a lot of minutes, probably at the three, uh, is this defensive guy they brought in who's, who's apparently impacted the rest of the team on that, that side of the ball. So how does how does Leakey kind of establish himself? Is it as the leader? Is it as the guy that does a little bit of everything? Um, and watching how that plays out is going to be very interesting because he can – he can serve as point guard. He, he can play at the three. He can play at the foursome if they need him to. But what does Hubert want him to do? And at this point in time, we just don't know.
0: Yeah, I got a lot of things on Leakey. I mean, I think it's just hard not to have someone who can shoot the ball with the three. I mean, you need a shooter there. And that's been, I think, a main complaint with Leakey. We've been promised. He was like last season, entering the entering last season, he just said he'd really improved his shooting. He really improved his offense and just wasn't there. I wrote a whole article about how this was a new Leakey that was going to come in this is just based on what he told us and it didn't really prove true um the thing about the defense stood out to me greg as well i mean we've been royally said he could he could be a really good you know defender it just never showed uh i'm gonna hit grell Shirell with a um the question here do you think he starts real
1: um yeah, off guard yeah. i think based upon what hubert davis has emphasized publicly and privately uh over the last few months I would say I don't see him in the starting lineup um, when the season starts. So that doesn't mean he won't be in it by the end of the year, and it doesn't mean he's not going to play a lot. But what we've heard from here at Davis is spacing, moving the ball, shooting, 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 shooting. And those aren't the strengths of Leaky right now.
0: And it's a, uh, I mean, with a new head coach, you can kind of do whatever he wants and have to maintain what happened last year. Um, Greg, what, you, what do you think? You think he starts? Uh,
2: you know, what? <laughs> I have a feeling that he starts just because <laughs> Hubert is, is so tied to North Carolina tradition. He's so tied to how Dean did things. So tied to how Roy did things. Um, Leakey started 59 games as a Tar Heel. Uh, and I'm of the opinion that Leakey probably starts. And then if he doesn't hold that position and other guys start to push him, then he moves out of the starting lineup.
0: So I think it's easier to just, ready dethroning them before the season starts I agree. Than having the emotional conversation of saying you're not a starter anymore i agree um, but, that, but
1: that comes back ross to role definition it, there has to be a conversation about what do you want from me and what do you want me to do and if those expectations are laid out clear in the preseason then i don't think it'll be a huge issue honestly
0: yeah and I, I i don't know i haven't watched justin mccoy play too much so i mean i don't know if he is really a knockdown shooter either i mean there's a reason why he transferred and he didn't play a lot at Virginia, so who knows if he's going to be some massive upgrade over Leaky? And we do know that Leaky, he can be a valuable player for this team, like we talked about, as a, as a defender, as a, a secondary ball handler, um, as a rebounder. He can he can guard, you know, four positions. So there's definitely going to be a spot where he can play 10 to 20 minutes a game. It'd be interesting to see um, really how much though with with kind of the lack of shooting. I think after three seasons and how many. Games and minutes he played. The shooting is, is, until proven differently, I don't think the shooting's going to change much. Anything else, guys, from you on Leaky? He deserved a, a little extended video there. All right, guys. Uh, Leaky Black entering his fourth season at UNC. And he does have that extra season. So UNC fans could get five years of Leaky Black um, entering a senior season in the 2021 22 season. Hey, guys, this is Ross Martin from Inside Carolina, and I want to talk to you about Inside Carolina's new podcast sponsor. It's Blue Shark Vodka. Blue Shark Vodka is a family-owned vodka company based out of Wilmington and Wrightsville, North Carolina. It's available in all 100 counties. And the thing about Blue Shark Vodka is it's the smoothest vodka in the world. It's made with sweet North Carolina corn to create the world's smoothest vodka. It's been distilled four times and then mellowed for 28 days to create that full blooming and awaking flavor. Each batch is in triple filtered, giving it a smooth, clean finish and eliminates any of the alcohol bite. Guys, I've been using it recently with some soda water, fruit juice, little lime juice. It's great for tailgates. It's light, it's smooth, and it's an award-winning premium vodka from North Carolina, local and family-owned. And it's available once again in all 100 counties. So head to your local ABC store to check out Blue Shark Vodka. Dontrez Styles, the true freshman forward from Kent, North Carolina, six foot, 205, four-star player, ranked number 65 in the nation, number 13, small forward, and the second-best player in the state. Trail, you covered his recruitment. Um, you know, he flashed, I thought, at, at late night. Um, has, has good size, good athleticism. What do you kind of expect from him, not just this season, but maybe moving forward uh, for him as a player?
1: He's someone who's physically ready to play in the ACC today. And I think that's the most important thing uh, because there are going to be opportunities for him, whether it is at the three or at the four, to earn minutes. Uh, again, Hubert Davis is a new coach and we just don't know uh, really what he values until we see him you know, coach on the, the team for a few games. So I think he brings that. And then in talking with, Folks around UNC and and talking with folks around Styles, they really like the energy and the passion that he brings to the court. I don't know if you saw it late night when he was introduced, he played for just maybe a second or two, and then it was straight back to business. And that's the kind of uh, player and person he is. And I think that's been lacking to some degree from UNC the last few years. So someone who's very intense. Um, who treats basketball more like a business. Um, I think that's good because you have the jovial side with, with other players on the team, but you also need someone, uh, not punching the face, but someone who would get in someone's face uh, in practice. And I think Styles, maybe not ready to do that as freshman, but moving forward, he'll, he'll be that guy.
0: Yeah, Greg, you've covered this team for a while. When you see a freshman with that size, with you know coming in not as a, as a five-star, but kind of mid-level, top one recruit what could he do to, to see the court early?
2: Well, I think the the great question, and, and Ralph kind of hit on it there, is we don't know what Hubert Davis is going to do because when Roy Williams was in town, all of November and pretty much all of December, and sometimes even into January, pretty much everybody that could play, played. Uh, the idea being give everybody opportunities. Let's see how everything plays out. Let's see who splashes. We don't know if Hubert Davis is going to take that same approach or not. And so that will tell us a lot right there, exactly how, how that plays out. Um, but, yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that that Styles is a guy that has the physical build, um, he has the skill set uh, to really play at the ACC level, and I, I think that's important. And so it, it's going to be unique to see how much he gets to play because there are a lot of uh, pieces there on the wing. There is a lot of competition there. But he does have a little bit different skill set than, than maybe a Justin McCoy or uh, Brady Manick for sure at the four. So uh, he, he can find a niche for himself, and I think the energy helps. All those little things that he can do, tangibles, um, intangibles, will really allow him to kind of carve out a spot. Uh, and as Ralph said, not a guy necessarily they need this year, uh, but maybe he can get enough uh, foundational work in that he can really be a key piece for this program moving forward.
0: Shrell, do you see him sticking at the three? Is that kind of his his college position? Could he play some four? Can you kind of paint the picture of, of what you see him becoming or what he is right now?
1: I think it's both of those. Uh, I, I think you commented on the message board just about – you know, Hubert Davis's era is going to be more positionless than you know, Carolina fans and media are used to. I think Styles is a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at kind of how he's listed, it's more of as a, as a guard forward, which we'll Correct. get to. But Puff Johnson was listed as a guard in the late night uh, roster, which I thought was interesting. Um, but Styles has the ability because of his size. I mean, he's built like a football player. He he looks like he could be a tight end out there. Um, he has the size and I, I guess the the strength to play the four. I think to rebound in the. A- and then he's pretty athletic too so when you add those two things together i think he can rebound in the acc and then defensively we always talk about it with freshmen to me i think that's where you can kind of get in quicker is if you say i'm going to commit myself to becoming the best defender possible and you know he can guard two through four i think legit um <clears throat> in college basketball so there, there's a chance there maybe it's a lineup where he davis wants his five best defenders out there and, and maybe styles is one of those guys or maybe they try to match up with someone who plays more of a small ball four, you know. Styles can do that. I think the issue is, as far as playing time, is that Justin McCoy is there, and I think UNT really likes Justin McCoy. So uh, we'll have to see.
0: And Greg, do you see, I mean, when you look at that three-four position, leaky, Styles, Puff, and and McCoy, how do you how do you see that breaking down? At all, I mean, what what kind of insight can you give us?
2: Well, I think, as Rel said, we've heard a lot of good things about Justin McCoy, just in kind of what he brings to the table. And then you know that Leakey's the veteran. And uh, Hubert has been around for, for all of Leakey's time in Chapel Hill, and he can do a lot of different things. Uh, we, Puff has been injured, so we'll have to see how much he can actually participate. Uh, you know, a lot of hope that, that he can be a guy. And so Silas has a lot of competition there. Um, but the fact that you know, he averaged double-digit rebounds his last two years of high school, and for, for Hubert Davis, while he he may take a little bit different approach to rebounding than Roy Williams did, that is still going to be a key. He told us in in Charlotte for the ACC Media Day that uh, all the three, four, and five guys, just like Roy Williams, they're going to the board every single time. And so we talk about being able to carve out um, little specialties, and that's an area where Styles maybe can kind of find his groove.
0: Styles arrives at UNC as a four-star true freshman, continuing the 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 line of, of Kenson players to UNC. It'll be interesting to see how much he plays in year one in Hubert Davis's first year at UNC. Justin McCoy, let me bring up the stats here. Transfer from Virginia, listed six, six foot eight, 220, his third season in college. He's listed as a junior. And last year at Virginia, let's see, he averaged, played 19, 19 games, four starts, 11.3 minutes. points, 3.3 rebounds, and a half an assist. So really didn't play and hasn't played that much in college. Trell, you covered his uh, recruitment to UNC as a transfer, and we hear that he's a popular guy early on. The Tar Heels Uh, can defend a lot. He can guard a lot of positions. He can shoot the ball. Um, What's your take on Justin McCoy uh, his first season at, at UNC?
1: I would say first, a little bit of background. Roy Williams offered him a scholarship three years ago Mm -hmm. uh, as a high school senior. So he's not someone who they just found kind of on the scrap heap, so to speak. They thought he could play leaving out of high school, and they think he can play after two years at Virginia. The issue, I think, at Virginia was that he just had really good players in front of him. Sam Hauser was in front of him. Trey Murphy was in front of him, uh, D. Akite was in front of him, and then Braxton Key was in front of him as well. Four really good players at the ACC level. So I think he had that kind of going against him. And at UNC, the, the fresh start is, is that he was the first one to buy into what Heber Davis wanted to do. Heber Davis got the job on April 5th. By April 9th, Justin McCoy had entered the portal and committed to UNC. So uh, I think that is kind of instructive on what exactly heber davis is looking for and he said time and time again that he wants that uh, kind of uh prototype three four four three big and, and mccoy can do that and um they like him a lot and um he didn't shoot a lot last year because he didn't play a lot but they think he can be a plus shooter from three as well
0: greg you saw him at the open practice i thought he was one player that stood out especially with that dunk and you look at him, he, he, you can tell he's played and been in a college strength conditioning program. He, he's bigger and stronger than, say, a Puff Johnson um, and some of the players in his position. What do you see – how do you see him performing in, in year one and his role um, at Carolina?
2: I think he was a key acquisition for Hubert Davis. Um, everything that we've heard, uh, to follow up on what Ralph said there, is that you know, he's very technically sound. Um, He he understands what he's supposed to do. He's a very smart basketball player, Um, He's a great defender. Uh, A lot of that is positioning. We always think about good defenders as being just great athletes. He's a good athlete, uh, but he just knows where to be. He knows how to move his feet and all those kind of things. And it really speaks to what Tony Bennett does in Charlottesville. Um, You have to be technically sound to play for him. And uh, so McCoy's bringing that approach to Chapel Hill. And I think that's great for the team because that's going to allow some of the guys to be like, oh, okay, this is how we're supposed to do it. So that's very beneficial. I'm um, also kind of think it, it kind of frees him up a little bit. Um, you know, Tony Bennett systems, I don't know if restrictive is the right word, uh, but it, it is a situation where you're not able to splash and really kind of show how good of a player you are. Um you outside just kind of normal normal play i think mccoy is going to be able to do that i mean if you look at some of his numbers yes he didn't play many minutes for virginia last year uh defensive rebounding rate uh, 26.3 that's really good uh effective field goal percentage 50.9 that's solid offensive rebounding percentage that was the best on uh, virginia's roster at 11.2 that's really good so he understands the importance of rebounding he takes good shots so I think, I think that's a plus for North Carolina at the three. I do think he's going to start over Leaky Black. Um, and that, that, as I said, I think it's a very important acquisition for Hubert.
0: There's your, your blockbuster line starting over Leaky Black. Uh, and talking to Justin McCoy, you know, the maturity is there. Um, I think he could be a leader for this team. You know, it's, it's a young team that it has a new staff, so there's definitely an opportunity to come in and be a leader. And the fact that he – I mean, I remember him saying – uh, when, when we had him on a press conference that there'd be times when they would play, they would practice defense, you know, 80 to 90 percent of the time at Virginia. So that kind of understanding of defensive rebounds, definitely valuable. Uh, Shrell, in speaking with him, what kind of person is he? Um, what can you kind of tell us about him as, as a guy that could kind of lead to qualities that could help him at UNC?
1: Um, very intense, I think, um, from the right. conversations I've had with him. I I think Carolina kind of hopes some of that that magical Tony Bennett defensive dust, like you know, comes into the Smith Center and just takes over. Because I mean, and and he to me is a perfect example of why the transfer portal is so valuable. Because instead of recruiting, you know, recruiting him out of high school, but basically Tony Bennett has done two of the years of the work for UNC. That's right. He's he's gotten him you know to be a good defender. He understands those principles. He's really sound, and now he comes to Carolina and kind of. More fully formed than he was before, and he has three years of eligibility left. I mean, that is, to me, that is the dream scenario for the transfer portal. Um, but back, back to him as, as a person. Um, yeah, I think he has a chip on his shoulder, a, a huge one, because he put up big numbers in high school and I don't think he got recruited the way he thought he should have been. Um, a lot of his stuff didn't come into the spring when, when schools were kind of desperate to find people just to fill out the roster. Uh, for those who don't know, he originally committed to Penn state uh, out of Panther Creek high school uh, outside of Raleigh. Um, and he decommitted from there at, at some point, I think March of his senior year. And that's when Carolina started sniffing around when Virginia sniffed around um, all offered him, NC state offered him. And he ultimately picked Virginia. Um, but uh so i think he there's still some some uh hostil- not hostility it's another right word but the chip on his shoulder um from feeling like he was under under recruited before and now people are saying well why did carolina take this guy from virginia who couldn't play he he's the type of guy who listens to all that and, and uses it as fuel and motivation and that's what unc needs and need use as dogs as guys who have something
0: to prove i think that unc's lack that type of player um in recent, in recent recent uh, years. Greg, anything to add about the, him playing the three position? What kind of can bring that's different for that role at UNC?
2: Well, the, the ability to be a lockdown defender is, is key. But I think more than anything, North Carolina really struggled with turnovers last year. And a lot of that was a lack of concentration, lack of focus, and lack of maturity. And I think McCoy uh, hits all those points. And he, he understands the importance of each possession. Got to do that when you're playing for Tony Bennett. Um, but with his defensive ability paired with uh, the kind of that smart thinking about the game, understanding what the game about. I, I think that's very important for this team, especially with some of the young guys that are going to be playing.
0: I think it's be super interesting to see the rotation there with him, Leaky, puff, um, you know, Kerwin playing the two and three and and how much those guys also play the four, a small ball four as well. So definitely interesting interesting track. You could see Leaky and Justin on the field, on the court at the same time. Um, Justin McCoy arrives at UNC as a transfer, has three years of eligibility, and maybe slots a starter for the Tar Heels in the 2021-22 season. Brady Manick, let's pull up the numbers. Uh, so UNC has him listed at 6'9", 230. He transfers from Oklahoma, and his stats – I've been typing stats so, so much this year, but his last season – Uh, 10.8 points, he started 20 of the 25 games, 25.1 minutes, Um, let's see, 5.0 rebounds, 0.8 assists, and again, 10.8 points, Uh, shooting numbers, 42.2% from the field and 37.5% from three, but he's had better shooting numbers and higher numbers throughout his Oklahoma career, really one of the the best shooters at Oklahoma um, in Oklahoma basketball history. Strahl, sure, you covered his recruitment to UNC as a transfer. He's a fifth-year player, brings that shooting. Um, where do you see him kind of playing um, at UNC? Is it just a stretch ball four, or, and what can he bring to this roster?
1: I think he's a <clears throat> perfect compliment to Armando Baycott uh, inside. I mean, uh, there were several times, I think last year, and obviously it is a new system and a different system. There were several times last year when there just was not room to operate for Baycott or, or Kessler or Brooks or Sharp. And it wasn't because of the guards. It was because there was another big on the other side of the lane. That was the system that they were playing. I think now that uh, Baycott has that space and it, they showed it at the late night scrimmage, you could see the spacing, um, Brady Manick is that corner three guy uh, who can, you know, pop out and hit that. That'll be tremendous. I mean, he'll, he'll get those a, a lot because teams are going to sag off. Baycott. Either you sag off Baycott and let him eat your big guy alive or you double him. And that leaves someone like uh, manic wide open. So I think he can contribute that. Um, I-, I wonder about his rebounding. I- I'm not sure how great of a rebounder he is. Uh, he-, he has decent numbers, uh, but I, I want to see how that, you know, works at North Carolina's pace because they still mm-hmm. plan to pay, f- play fast. So I think he brings that. And again, we talked about it with McCoy, uh, you know, just a veteran, somebody who's been there and done that and been through everything. Um, he's not a in your face leader, but I think just how he works and, um, how he prepares his leadership in itself. So he, he brings it all those things and just, you know, the love of a shooter he is, he's not that far from Kevin Walton. And that's just tremendous for North Carolina before.
0: Yeah, it was, it was interesting watching him at late night. I mean, he loves to shoot and he is a willing and able shooter. Um, when he gets the ball, I think he, he, he was given the green light very early, very often in Oklahoma. Greg, what do you foresee the UNC offense looking with a shooter like that, with that size, six nine Brady Manic, um, alongside of Baycott or Dawson Garcia with other shooters, and that that pure kind of spread out uh, four four out one in offense? How do you see that kind of looking and working with Brady Manic? Uh,
2: it'll be fascinating to watch, just because we really haven't seen it before. But as Rail said, his ability just to slide over to the corner. Instead of having a second body down low, I mean, the days of seeing the high low pretty much are gone. Um, and what you'll I mean, you'll, you'll have uh, big bodies kind of running through the post. But I, I think in a lot of situations, once the ball goes inside, you're going to have one in four out, uh, and Manic will do that. And a, a great shooter for sure. Uh, and so when you add Manic to Corin Walton, now you got two really good shooters on the, the court. And having two is so much better than one, right? Uh, and if you can find one other guy to make some shots, now things really open up. Uh, but more than anything, I think it gives Caleb love, some opportunities, really get into the paint and distribute, especially if Caleb's there in the, the corner, uh, to be able to knock some shots down. And the only thing, the other thing I'd add here is rebounding wise, uh, that's going to be something they're going to have to stress to him to make it more important for him. But mm-hmm. he's, he's a good shot blocker. Uh, that that's a little bit surprising. Uh, and he's also very good with taking care of the ball. So, again, North Carolina struggled with turnovers last year. Uh, he has a, a long track record of valuing the ball and not making bad mistakes. And so you're adding a guy that can shoot from outside. You're adding a guy that can, can block some shots and a guy that knows how to take care of the ball. Uh, that, that's, that's a lot of wins there for Hubert Davis.
0: Yeah, I think there's value in him being a, a fifth-year senior. You know, he's played four years of, of college basketball, very high level. He's the oldest player on the team. Uh, for uh, I think the other oldest player, I mean Baycott is kind of the most experienced at UNC. Uh, I guess sorry, Leakey and Baycott are kind of the two most experienced at UNC. So the veteran presence who been there, some leadership there as well. Physicality with rebounding, something maybe he didn't do at Oklahoma as much. Interesting to see how UNC's rebounding kind of changes without those two traditional bigs. Uh Sherelle, what kind of person is he? What can you tell him about him? Tell us about him as a guy.
1: Uh, not much, you know, he's, <laughs> I think he might be the only person to ever commit to UNC in the last 10 or 15 years that we didn't talk to um, just because Got he it. had a very quiet process um, and we just happened to, to get some information today he committed, but um, you know, he, he doesn't talk much. He's not, he's not a guy who wants a lot of attention. Um, so uh, that, that's interesting. When I, and that's what I was saying by his leadership, I think is going to be by how he carries himself and his work. He's not, I don't think he's getting your, in your face guy at all.
2: I think the fascinating thing about Manic is the fact that uh, he went to Oklahoma. His, his parents played at Oklahoma Christian. Uh, his older brother played at Southeastern Oklahoma state. He grew up less than an hour from Norman. He, I mean, he's never left like a hour radius in his life until now. And he comes to chapel Hill, which is a little bit d- different than Norman. So uh, I find that aspect fascinating and it'll be great to be able to learn more about him as the season goes along.
0: It was interesting when we got a chance to talk to him a couple of weeks ago, you know, he was like, yeah, I just want to play at a high level and go farther in the tournament. And it kind of worked out well for UNC to land in obviously mentioning that you know, he's a perfect complement to Baycott. And just like McCoy, he's that perfect fit for that stretch for a big guy with sh- with shooting ability that can play into that system. Um, Sheryl, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I would say the only thing that worries me is Heber Davis has talked already defensively about switching screens, and you know he's he's comfortable with his big switching. And I, I wonder, you know, exactly how well Manic will fare if, you know, if he's playing the four, there's a pick and roll with the one and, you know, he switches on to a, a lead guard. You know, I think that situation can be kind of dangerous for, for North Carolina. So that's something I'm looking, I'm looking towards to see how his lateral movement is, to see the lateral quickness, if he's able to stay, at least just stay in front of some of those guards or funnel them to, to Baycott, you know, in, in, uh, down in the post.
0: Sometimes you, kind of, you take the good with the bad. If you can bang threes from the outside, you can for take sure. a couple of defensive lapses. Brady Manick, uh, definitely recognizable with the big blonde hair and the blonde beard. arrives at UNC for his fifth year from Oklahoma and uh, adds a, a much-needed shooting bonus to the UNC roster. We've been going right through all the transfers and the final one, the last one for UNC to land is Dawson Garcia, the six 6'11", 230-pound Big man who comes from Marquette. He was a freshman last year at Marquette. Started and played in all 27 games. Averaged 13.0 points. 6.6 uh, 6 rebounds. Shot 48% from the field and 35% from 35.6% from three. And, and had a really good game in the Dean Dome when Marquette came in with Steve, Woj- Steve Wojohowski as coach and beat the Tar Heels. Huge grab for UNC, kind of late in the process. Shrell, you covered his recruitment when he was a, re- a recruit as a high school player to UNC, and then again as a, um, as a transfer recruit. What can you tell us about what Dawson Garcia brings as a player? Because even I'm a little confused if, he, if he's at stretch four, if he's going to bang down low. What do you see from him um, this season?
1: I see him almost as a stretch five. Um, And so I'll explain that. So Brian Snow, who used to be a national um, recruiting analyst for 24-7, he's now the director of recruiting at Penn State. We asked him back in the day uh, after Dayron Sharp had committed to UNC, which of the bigs that North Carolina is recruiting in this class do you think fit the best beside Dayron Sharp? And the options were Hunter Dickinson, Walker Kessler, and Dawson Garcia. And at the time, you know, we didn't think UNC had a, sh- a shot with Walker Kessler. He said, "Oh, it's obviously Dawson Garcia because he's he has a stretch ability." He's like, "I see him more as a stretch five because he's actually pretty good for a six eleven guy at putting the ball on the uh, you know off the dribble, taking the ball off the dribble, and then he can shoot from three as well." Um, so, uh, you know, I think that is what UNC has him as. You know, there'll be times where he plays with Armando Baycott. There'll be times when he plays mm-hmm. with uh, Manic. You know, maybe they'll switch between the four and the five. But I think that's what it is, is that ability to stretch a defense, to, to take bigger guys and, and take them off the dribble. And you saw it in the late night scrimmage. That's what Hebert Davis wants his bigs to do. They flash into the paint for a second or two, and then if they have a, a chance to drive to the hole, they, it's, it's theirs. So he, he has that skill um, offensively. Defensively, I think, is where there might be some more questions. Hebert Davis has said he can, he can guard one through five. That, that's something I want to see too.
0: Uh, Greg, you saw him at the open practice. He's the tallest guy on the team. He's, he's noticeably taller than a Baycott. Um, not as not as broad and heavy, but uh, looks like a basketball player and, and definitely improves the look of this roster. How do you see Dawson Garcia fitting in to, to UNC this season? Does he start? Does he play alongside Baycott? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think Rel termed it right there. He's kind of a stretch five. Uh, just with the, the way this roster is constructed, I think Brady Manick – he's not going to play five. And so that really leaves Garcia as the only other option. And I do think you you may see Leakey play a little bit of four, but there's probably going to be more Justin McCoy. Um, If you want to go small and you can slide Garcia in there with Baycott. Um, So I I think most of his minutes will come at the five. He will get some playing time alongside of Baycott. But Armando clearly is the five on this team. is going to get a bulk of the minutes. How many minutes? Uh, we're going to see exactly how Hubert Davis handles his his roster and rotational minutes. Um, but his ability, I really think he's kind of what you're going to be looking at in terms of moving forward for that five. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy yeah. that uh, he's, he's not like Baycott where he's going to be on the block all the time. He's the guy that can slide out, uh, knock down some jumpers. Um, he can knock down a three if he needs to. But you're not necessarily going to count on him all the time for those kind of things. But he does have that skill set, so I, I, I think that's kind of a good look at what North Carolina's going to be aiming for in the years to come. And the days of guys like Armando Baycott are probably uh, slimming down.
0: Yeah, when I was looking at the roster and seeing them in person, I was like, the days of Joel James, Sterling <laughs> Manley, Brandon Huffman, uh, even back to you know the earlier eras with just big seven foot lumbering guys are over. yeah. Early. Kenny Meeks, very. Baycott's pretty athletic, you know. He he can he can move and has nice. So he's probably the kind of the, the classic big man they'll they'll the length they will recruit at that size. Um, Sheryl, so how do you see the big man rotation happening? I know you talked to talking about it a little bit there, but it is Zebray so starts at the four, you think, and then Dawson kind of rotates in at the four and the five, or what do you? Because I always thought Dawson Garcia like he's just, you know a talented guy comes in and starts, but maybe not.
1: Yeah, you've got three really good players and only two of them could start. And I think that's something Hebert Davis, I'm sure there's a conversation they had before Garcia committed and that, you know, they're not going to promise you a spot, you know, just because you're a highly rated transfer. There's two other highly rated or at least one other highly rated transfer already there. Um, So I, I would think that he will come off the bench initially. Um, but just because and there's nothing against Garcia, he's a great player, don't get me wrong. But Manic is just such a perfect fit beside Baycott that I think those two and, and that chemistry, and even even though it's only was only I guess like a month and a half more that Manic got. Um, with Baycott than Garcia had I think that time alone just you know builds chemistry tremendously especially when they're playing pickup every single day Um, so that that's why I think um, you know uh, uh, Manic will will end up starting but with, with Garcia the good thing is is that you know what he does is what North Carolina struggled with so much last year you just go back to that Marquette game and it was Garcia, you know, at the top of the key, Daron Sharp would close out fast and Garcia would just go right by him for a layup or a dunk, or he would jab step and pull up for three. And I think that's the, the mismatch, you know, against most centers that he has. He can, he will be able to do a lot of work against centers, but those three are just going to play a, a large amount of minutes. And I think, to Greg's point, um, the roster is much more complete if you have Justin McCoy at the three and then you have those three guys splitting minutes between the five and the four.
2: And the other component of this too, Ross, is, I mean, what did Hubert Davis tell us in Charlotte at the ACC media day? He really likes the idea of playing two point guards at the same time, meaning Caleb Love yeah. and R.J. Davis. Well, if you do that, Corin Walton's your your best shooter on the team, probably your best scorer. Do you play him at the three, which means you move Justin McCoy to the four? And if you move Justin McCoy to the four, what happens to the minutes there at the five? Uh so how Hubert, what he values most, we we don't know. Um, and that's going to shape both the front court and the back court. Uh, so a lot of options for sure. But how we how he chooses to to handle that's gonna be interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, and you're going through it, you know, we said Brady Manic is a four, and he's the only pure four on the roster if you consider uh, Garcia and Baycott fives and McCoy and Leakey threes. So you might see more of that small ball lineup. Ball lineup where McCoy and Leakey play some four in there as well just to spread the time out it will be interesting to watch certainly with these transfers and the positionless basketball we've been talking about here at Inside Carolina that is the um, Dawson Garcia preview our last one is Armando Baycott let's pull up the profile here we know all about him 610 240 from Richmond Virginia entering his third season at UNC um, he started 28 of the 29 games last year, had, had a good year, third team, all ACC, 12.3 points, um, 7.8 rebounds, averaged six. Or sorry, shot 62.8% from the field, which is a huge jump from last season, season previous, and uh, did not attempt a three, which might change this season. <laughs> Trell, you've covered um, Armando. We've all covered Armando. What do you think – he, how is he going to be different this season in, in the new Hubert Davis system? How is it going to affect him? I think we've talked about it a lot, so I'm just going to see if you can answer it differently.
1: I just think he's primed. Uh, I think uh, he'll have the space to operate that he didn't have in, in previous years. The, the season that he had last year is kind of what I expected from Dayron Sharp, which is you know a very high field goal percentage, great rebounding, and basically he was, from November through March, the most consistent player on UNC's team. So he has that to build on. And this year, um, you know, he's going to have a little more freedom than he had in the past to show off some of the things that maybe we saw glimpses of, you know, catching the ball at the top of the key, taking three dribbles and going to the rim. He'll be able to do that more in Hubert Davis's system from what we've seen. Um, I think the big thing for him is to realize that just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And that is going to be something that he has to remember every single game because it's a lot easier to, you know, set a pick, pop and pull up a three than it is to kind of get down in the post, bang and get fouled and have to hit free throw shots. And that is what he's really good at. So uh, he just has to make sure that he's balanced, I think, moving forward. And I, I, I expect a really tremendous year from him.
0: At Charlotte ACC Media, I, I was by him for a while. He's like, yeah, I, I make a, a thousand threes a, a week and I track them. And I was like, are you actually going to shoot threes? Like, yeah, Hubert gets mad at me if I don't shoot threes. And, he, he, and later on, he was like, "But I'm not going to forget what got me here, and that's banging down low because he's, I mean, he's the least experienced three-point shooter on the roster. Greg, do you do you kind of agree with Sherell? Do you think it's going to be a great season for him? He's going to benefit from this more space out. What do you kind of see from Baycott in his junior season?
2: So, you know how many times Armando Baycott has attempted a three-point shot in his college career? Zero. One. 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 Oh, really? O of one. Um, So, yeah, I I get the fascination with the three-point shot. uh, But for North Carolina to be the team that a lot of people think they can be, to be a team that can challenge for Sweet 16, to be a team that can challenge for the ACC championship, Baycott has to be a hall down low. Forget about the three-point shot. He's got to be consistent in the post. Um, If you go back to his freshman year, we saw glimpses of this guy that was just dominant, right? But then he'd go three or four games and we wouldn't hear from him. And so that was all season long. He did better last year early, but you, you look at his stretch of games, you know, Kentucky, Kentucky, NC state, Georgia tech lights out. And then he goes and he's Mm -hmm. one for seven against Notre Dame with, with a couple rebounds. Um, had a good stretch with Wake Forest, NC state, Pittsburgh. You're like, okay, he's, he's turning the corner, took one shot at Clemson. Um, and so as you got into the, the last part of the season, he really started to find that rhythm and consistency. He was able to, dominate in terms of spacing in the post like he was a big body who was able to uh, establish position and he's got to do that from day one and if he can be that consistent presence down low everybody else can shoot all the threes they want Um, if he's not that effective guy down low though this team will struggle so it's a lot to put on him like rel said i mean He's worked towards this. This this is his year to really break through and be that consistent presence. And if he is, he's certainly going to be a first team see guy. And he's really going to work up the NBA draft boards.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was super impressed with him last year with how he improved from, from year one to year two. He took that salt, freshman, sophomore year jump. That was funny the Clipson game. That was when his mom got mad at him, I believe, Greg. Yeah. Wasn't that the big <laughs> quote that his, his mom got mad at him for not shooting? Um, he looks apart. He looks in great shape. He's physically imposing. And you, you got to be impressed with his operation on the basketball so you definitely think he has um an even better season this year he's preseason all acc first team all acc um listed today actually show anything else about about baycott you have to add i think we kind of covered him and we I would we just say him and, and...
1: yeah I, I would just say like I, it doesn't get as much attention as as other players but look at a picture of him from his junior season in high school and look at a picture of him from this past week yeah. And it is a completely different person like Kennedy Meeks deservedly. So got so many props for his weight loss and he's kept it off all these years later and how strong he got. Baycott is a massive person and he, you know, he just looks cut up. I mean, he looks strong. He looks physical. I mean, just a dominant presence. I mean, I, I, I'm very, very, very high on, on Baycott this season. I think he's going to have a really, really good year.
0: And I think his leadership is really important too. You know, he is a, he's a likable engaging personality. He's a great quote. I think people gravitate towards him. And and that's important in the locker room. You know, you have a lot of transfers. You have a couple of freshmen. You have some sophomores that are just getting used to college after the COVID year. So I think Baycott and Leakey's um, leadership is critical for this team that has a new coach, has new staff, and has a lot of new moving parts. Um, That is it for us. That was our last one, Armand Baycott. I appreciate you all listening to the Inside Carolina podcast slash video series. Check out all the videos on YouTube. This is also going to be one big podcast on Inside Carolina's YouTube channels. Sorry, Inside Carolina's podcast channel. So subscribe to Inside Carolina podcast. Subscribe to YouTube. Like, rate, review. We appreciate our sponsors, Johnny T-Shirt. And, of course, Blue Shark Vodka. Um, And thanks for listening. The season's less than two weeks away, it seems. Uh, Thanks to Sherelle and thanks to Greg.